My name is Sasha Jenkin. I've always been fascinated by what makes people tick and I've been fortunate enough to pursue this interest in my work as a therapist for the best part of the last 20 years. So many of us struggle with liking ourselves. I notice this challenge in people regardless of their status or life experience and it's something I've grappled with clients and with myself. Finding a way to like ourselves, to sit with who we are and say, I'm okay. In this podcast, I discuss this subject with other professionals who work with people, counsellors, therapists, mediators and coaches amongst others, to uncover how they feel it within themselves and how they work on it with their clients. So, join us in the Validation Lounge, discover the diverse ideas and ways of working in the self-help field, get to learn more about human beings, and you might even learn to like yourself a little more. Today we have Sarah Fox on the Validation Lounge. Sarah, would you like to just take some time to introduce yourself, what your areas of interest are and what what your work is? Yes. Hello. Um, So my name is Sarah Fox and I am a coach um, and a mentor, um, particularly working with people in the art sector, but beyond that as well. So I've spent 20 years um, working with communities and individuals, thinking about how we can make our communities uh, kinder, more caring spaces uh, using arts and creativity. Um, and a couple of years ago, I trained and became an accredited coach. Rather than working with communities now, I work with individuals and much smaller groups to enable them to have space uh, to feel that they can make the change that they want to make, make positive changes in their own lives, but uh, in other people's as well. When I say the word validation, what what, what does that mean to you? Mm, it's an in- it's an interesting one. It, when I when I first heard it, I I felt slightly shivery. I think because um, in terms of coaching, there's a real sense that we have to, as coaches, we have to really get out of the way, and it's important that our clients don't feel externally validated by us. Okay. So uh, there was a sort of immediate reaction of oh. Oh, I need to be. I need to be really careful. But I guess one of the things that I would hope as a coach is that is that people would start to feel that they can validate themselves, and that actually they don't need to look beyond themselves to get that. That they can have positive affirmations, positive feelings about who they are, and that their opinions are valid and worthwhile. Um, but that, that that but that they can you know that they can do that themselves, and that's not to say that you know positive feedback from others isn't important, but I think um, it's imp- it, it it it's good to be aware of where you get your validation from. And when you say that kind of shivery feeling you mm-hmm. had, um, could you give an example of how a coach might externally validate their their client? Well, I guess the one thing that we, I mean, all coaches are different. You know, you have your own style, but I okay. guess one of one of the things for me is about being super aware. So, so an example is um, when I was training, we were told to be really aware of how much we were nodding and umming. You know, when people are talking and you're listening, how often you would go. Mm 
or nod vigorously because what you're trying to create in a coaching space is a very non-judgmental space it's a place where people can talk and there is no judgment good or bad it's just figuring things out so by nodding by umming in certain places that could then send a signal to your client that you are agreeing with them or disagreeing with them yeah I'm trying not to um too much now (laughs) yeah and it's you know there is a balance because you know it's about being aware of what the the two of you need within that space and that's about being open and honest and you know um and it's really hard not to nod and not to go mm, oh and sort of because you want people to know that you're listening but it's, it's about being self-aware that you're just trying to step out of the way as a coach you're stepping out of the way so that it's all about your coachee and it's not about what you think is right or wrong and I guess those external validations that you might be battling against offering could be reflected in like the culture like um maybe even things that you that you might feel around your own validation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that could come into the into the work yeah absolutely because we're human you know we've all got our own experiences and it's about trying to quieten that voice down um that you know that says this isn't this isn't about me I'm not trying to I'm not trying to problem solve. I'm just creating a space where the coachee, um, the client can find the answers themselves. Um, Because actually, my perspective as a coach is that everybody has exactly what they need. They have those internal resources, you know, whether that's bravery, um, hope, curiosity, compassion. You have that within you that enables you to take action. So, so yeah, I need to to step out of the way, and and actually, I think in a in a way, I prefer thinking about appreciation and acknowledging, because I think both internally and externally, because I think that can be much more empowering and supportive. And I think there's something about the word validation that can feel quite critical mm-hmm. and disempowering. Yeah, that's true. And that makes me think about the role of language as well, yeah. Because mm. it, it it sort of sounds a bit like an assessment, doesn't it? Like if you think about yeah. validation, it's like you're, you're sort of, you're verifying or testing the truth and and there is judgment involved. And actually, I think the issue with validation both internally and externally actually is that there's an issue about power somewhere along the lines Mm -hmm. and that there's an expert in the room you know whether that's you you as an expert versus you as the non-expert and judging yourself trying to Mm -hmm. validate validate that um does that does that make it does yeah um who is it who decides what validation is if that word comes in the that that could be quite easily assumed that you being the person that's leading the session could be the one that has the power Mm, mm. and then you're the one that decides what what validation is according Mm. to what your perspectives are yeah but even you know if we're validating ourselves you know it's this sort of trying to build our self-esteem our self-worth if we're thinking about validation there's also a sense that there's like a 
an expert within us and a non-expert and and we're judging ourselves on whether something's whether something's right or wrong and I wonder whether and this is me just Mm. talking aloud but I wonder whether there's something about therefore inhibiting our own expression because we need to we need to validate it we need to criticize it we need to assess it in some way whereas if we acknowledge and we appreciate both good and bad perhaps that's a more empowering place to be in terms of building our our self-esteem yes there's something less finite about Mm. acknowledging and appreciating yeah true yeah feels more open Mm. but I think language is so important definitely and there's a lot of power in language um I feel and it's a starting point isn't it it's always you know I think it it can be interesting to discuss what what that means and you know Mm -hmm. I suppose as a coach my job is to reflect the language that my clients are using not not to necessarily translate it into Sarah Fox language but to reflect what they're saying and use what they're saying so you know it can be that uh, that, that I might ask a question about validation but then what that means for the client is very different and takes us on a different on a different path and I would reflect reflect that back yeah I think the reason I was I was thinking about self-esteem and self-worth and um it's fine it's hard to find one word I guess that sums up what I want to cover um in 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 these discussions I think what you've said is really is really helpful and important can you remember the first time that you felt that that you had self that you had worth and that you're important um yeah I mean there's something about being a child isn't there and um being listened to I think I felt this before, but there's a there's a particular uh, point in my life which I think was was quite key in the direction I took. And I was at school, and I was about eight. I was about eight years old, and uh, maybe nine. Very, very, very shy. Um, didn't really like talking to anyone other than my friends and my family. Um, and I loved, but I loved drama. I loved my drama classes. And one particular time, my um, teacher, the lovely, lovely, lovely Mrs. Burke, uh, we we were doing a Christmas play called The Miracle Squad. And uh, she asked me if I wanted to play the main role um, as, as Angel Gabriel. And it was, I suppose it was one of those moments where... I'm not sure if it whether I, it's about whether I felt important and worthy, but I think I felt noticed, really mm-hmm. noticed, and really noticed that someone felt I could do something like that, like I could stretch myself. Uh, mm. I mean, obviously, I didn't use those words when I was eight, but um, that there was a sense that, oh, you know, well, Mrs. Burke thinks I can do it, even though I can't. And I remember me, you know, my immediate reaction was like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't know. And she was, you know, she was just really assertive and said, well, do you want to do it or not? And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. And then I did it and I had to do a solo and it went a bit wrong. But, you know, it's OK. I survived. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's something about other people noticing you for who you are and what you want and what your dreams are and what you love and what you don't love. 
and I think it's different when it's someone who's not in your family mm. that it, it feels because I think that that for some people can feel quite constant that you know you're you're you feel important um but when it's someone else beyond that it's not your mum or dad or your sister or whatever it's it's somebody who you look up to and respect and who notices you I think that can have a real impact Mm, so something almost perhaps about that other person's status yeah maybe oh I don't know if it's about status I wonder maybe it's something about role models you know it's about someone who you really admire and that doesn't have to be mm. you know I mean we could get a whole conversation about status but that doesn't have to be someone in a particular role it's just someone who you know it could be your best mate it can be your peer it could be your sister it could be your mum or your dad it's someone who looks up to you who sorry you look up to mm-hmm. and they notice they see something in you and they believe in you yeah which gives you that motivation you know it's supportive and I wonder how you see the role of relationships generally how we've learned to feel about ourselves I think it's paramount I think you know I think we are social beings and we have our brain is very social and you know and we want to um most of us you know want to feel a sense of belonging and that's about you know who's your tribe who are your people who are Mm. you connected to and are they listening and are they noticing and when you don't have that if you're in relationships where people aren't kind and aren't noticing and aren't listening and aren't helping you to be the best that you can be that you know it's damaging (laughs) and so the evidence is all around us so for me and actually that was one of the things that I've always uh, loved about the work that I've done is it's it's about collaboration it's about other people um, you know particularly from my my drama background you know the in 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 the theatre sector you can't, it's really hard to make stuff without other people you know you are you are, you build these very very strong bonds with your team and I have always sort of felt that way whether it's professionals or members of the community activists you know you need those relationships build something Uh, they build a momentum they build something or they can build something good there's real power in people coming together you know I think even coming now into these sort of more one-to-one relationships uh, one-to-one situations there's real power in people a coach allows someone to think you know we are we sometimes we call ourselves like a thinking partner Mm -hmm. you know um so we might not own the content but we're certainly in that relationship to support that other person and and it's really powerful It's, it's making me think about um that kind of energy that can be created by like almost like like a kind of chemical or a magic kind of um spell not a spell but something that is created by two different people being involved in something Mm. how sort of um, fertile that space can be but it's also making me think about how in order for that to be something that is does have that kind of wonderful energy almost there needs to be an equality of the power in Mm. that relationship maybe I don't know maybe that's not necessarily true maybe you can maybe you have to feel in that relationship that you have maybe you have to feel empowered and then 
because maybe sometimes you can get something from someone else who has more to offer but when is that is that a power thing or maybe it isn't maybe it's a I don't know it's making me think of um so so one of my struggles as a as a coach is that I want to offer advice (laughs) Mm-hmm. you know I like want to I want to help I want to fix things and I and I really have to quieten that but if you see a client struggling to find an answer and you can help them with something and it often it's quite specific you know it might be a network that you know of or um I I think the point the thing is is that you always ask permission and that yeah. helps to change that power dynamic. You always put it in the hands of the coachee, in my in my experience, that you would say, I have something that might be useful for you. Is it okay if I share it? Or can I reflect back to you something? I think you might find it, it could be useful. Is that okay? So it's always like, even if I have something to say, I will always get permission from my client to say it. Yeah. And and something you were saying about uh, that kind of space, I think what's really important is that there's there's trust and there's integrity within that. So that even if you are, because um, I often feel really inspired by the people that I'm talking to, and I want to tell them that you know, but I I think you have to you have to keep it very short. You have to be very specific. And there needs to be integrity to it because people will know if you're if you don't really mean it. It's interesting. I mean, this is I don't think there's any right or wrong in this at all. Mm. But where 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 I work, it's I'm probably in quite a different space. But mm. the abstinent practitioner can actually be quite intimidating for some people. The kind of client that you're having is probably quite. Di- you're having <laughs> the kind of client that you're working with is probably quite different to one that I would, who may have more trauma in their past and be looking to work at that. Whereas, I suppose what I'm saying is that can create a power imbalance if we're not if we don't share of ourselves. Mm. I think it's interesting because I, I'm not sure they are necessarily different client, different people. But I think what my feeling is that when someone wants to be coached or be part of that coaching relationship conversation. It's about often set goals and moving forward. Mm -hmm. And we do touch on things that might have happened in the past, but it's it's almost like trying it's trying to get out of the ditch quite quickly so that you can move forward to achieve. And I find with someone who I feel, you know, coaching's not the right thing and actually there's stuff that they really need to try and um get support with um then yeah it's it's important to to say that I guess I suppose it's just kind of backing up what I've the client is 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 right and it was is that kind of thing of like we I think what I feel what I would do is try and I would be doing my best to kind of navigate and negotiate with my client what what they need and what they Mm. want Mm. um which is a uh, again maybe a reflection of what you were saying right at the beginning about you know this is your space for us to, you know I will bring what I hope you know I, I will offer what I ho- think might be helpful for you. Uh, How about something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is shame and how that kind of impedes our natural sort of development of worth as as we grow up. I wonder if that's something that you've ever 
thought about or been aware of it might not be it was I mean I've only just recently myself started really understanding what it means for me um yeah shame it's recently with the you know with trying to get to or educate myself on the black lives matters in that sense of Mm -hmm. that actually shame isn't a very helpful um emotion to be feeling right now um because it can get in the way of the learning I suppose it's like anything it's it's noticing when you're feeling it and trying to you know you might have to sit with it for a while but then for me it's about what can I do instead what can I feel instead that will help move me on (laughs) what tells you that you're in shame how do you how would you know that I suppose for me there's a kind of going inwards and a and a real it's different to guilt I think guilt can be quite a useful thing to feel sometimes it I suppose I feel that I it's a, it's a difficult yeah this is a this is a good question for me to think about what is it that happens when I feel shame it's like going inside it's like a it's like a hiding it's like um I've done something uh whether it's my you know fault or not although that's an issue mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing um it's uh yeah I can't it's hard to describe but there's something about going inwards how are you with me asking you about it? I think it's not it. I mean, I I've, I've read a lot about like I'm a big Brené Brown fan, and like you know, she writes a lot about shame, and I, you know, I'm always everything she says really resonates with me, and mm. but I've never actually. It's a good. It's it's a powerful question, as we would say. Okay, <laughs> should say that it makes you stop and it makes you think, and I'm not. Um, I suppose I'm just. I'm not sure that I often feel shame mm-hmm. now because I think I know what it is and I think I can recognise it. So it dissipates quite quickly. So does that make sense? So, yeah, so perhaps you've, it's not something that you sit in or whether it's kind of coming into how you're feeling. But there is, but there is a sort of, even as I'm talking about it, I can sort of feel my shoulders going down and this mm. sense that we've got a new puppy and um, yeah, it's like, watching her body language and because we're you know what observing her all the time yeah I think it just makes me even more aware of like what my body language is doing and I can feel myself recoiling (laughs) in a kind of you know to try to make myself as small as possible so that I don't you know disturb anyone it's interesting isn't it Mm, and I think often that kind of I think something again that I'm learning more and more is how much we hold in our body you know so if we think about in terms of if we're if we're not feeling if we're in shame then we're not feeling that we are worthwhile and 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 that feeling of kind of closing in on ourselves and kind of making ourselves smaller the way that we learn to be shameful about something is that we are told in the past that we're not okay so we might have a situation when we've been growing up or with people that are important to us again in relationship mm. or we've done something or said something and and another person says that the, or they might not even say it they might it might be an expression on their face but the message that we get is that we're not that we've, we've done something wrong we're not okay we're we're less than and yeah 
can I share something? It's just this has just popped into my head. Um, but um, it, it, as you were talking, it really reminded me of walking to school one day, and um, uh, I went to an all girls grammar school, and uh, generally it was amazing. But um, there were moments, and I remember walking to school, and there was a girl in front of us, and one of my friends said, "Oh, look at her cankles! She's got cankles. She doesn't have ankles." And I I remember feeling really shame because my ankles looked exactly the same as hers, and there was that real sense, I, you know. It's and I think I've covered them up. Well, I'm, I'm much better now, but I I would. It's still a thing, you know. That sort of, and I've never thought of it in terms of I, you know, that shame of not being, not not looking quite right. Yeah, and that's often. First of all, I'm sorry because that felt really oh, ouchy. And but that's a real for women, and I think probably more and more for men. But is as how we look is often mm. where we experience shame as we're growing up. So I can always remember my grandmother. We we're watching Audrey Hepburn, who I just thought was absolutely like so beautiful. Yes. Watching her and My Fair Lady, and saying oh she's got such an amazing neck and um my my nan said oh yeah you're no swan are you darling and (laughs) that's like so still I'm like and it does it feels like yeah uh, you know for a long time I've I would just and it's about comparison as well isn't it Mm -hmm. comparing and being less than Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) cankles and necks (laughs) and I suppose it's that how can we eradicate the effect of someone's you know how we've related to someone in the past that's made us lower our 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 self-esteem how can we appreciate our neck and our ankles you know how can we how can we do that from within that's I think what can be difficult yeah it's a rewiring isn't it and I guess this Mm. the work that you do and the work that I do as a coach is sometimes about rewiring those internal conversations and trying to reframe reframe it in some way so Mm. that it feels better um less painful yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. can I give an example because yeah because I think I've been having a daughter she's 10 and I and I'm really aware of that sort of body image shaming stuff and so we talk a lot about how strong we are and how and I don't talk about my cankles in front of her but there's Mm. something about you know I'm really I talk about how I'm really grateful and I really appreciate the fact that I have strong muscles in my legs because it enables me to walk much further Mm. you know it enables me to it enabled me to walk her in the pram you know when she was upset it enables me to walk her to school you know and it's like what's that reframing it's and it's good for me it's good for me to say that because it's it creates a much more positive, um, yeah, more of a dopamine effect, I guess. Than, than, and than has it helped you doing that? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I'm I'm more willing, living by the sea, I'm more willing to, you know, be in my costume and I don't really, I'm not that bothered anymore. And also, I guess, because I'm older and I know, I'm more aware of what other people are thinking that, you know you can kind of put it in perspective that actually that event was my teenage friend probably feeling you know having lots of feelings about her own body anyway um mentioning that girl's legs 
you know putting it into perspective and then reframing my own yeah my own internal conversation it can it's really it is empowering it's helpful and I wondered if you have any thoughts around how our feelings are involved with how we think about our our well-being and appreciate ourselves and yeah I suppose um again you know it's it's a social brain it's a very it can be a very emotional brain as well and I guess partly it's about noticing and being much more self-aware of when we are in that negative talk when we are feeling negative emotions what kind of emotions what do you mean what kind of emotions are negative or yeah when you when you've when you say or noticing that I'm in negative emotions what would you be feeling maybe fear or um disappointment um irritated hostile uh angry you know I think they all serve a purpose you know Mm. I I really believe that those those emotions those feelings that lead to that internal conversation with yourself have at some point served a purpose to protect you um and keep you surviving you know that kind of is it the limbic brain that yes that bit, yeah. um that it, you know it's it's served a purpose and so knowing that being aware of when you're feeling in the in that kind of state acknowledging that it's okay to be like that mm-hmm. and then thinking about how you reframe it and how you practice reframing it yeah um, you know feels to me quite key you know if you can't identify or name your emotion I think that can be then quite tricky to know how to how to manage it yes I agree I think that's something that can be and and when I say these kind of things I think there's a danger of fear that we can think like we can get to a point where we've got it all sorted and I just really think that's not I think it's I think we're all well if I speak for myself constantly kind of a work in progress yeah absolutely maybe it's okay to sort of say that to ourselves as well that kind of um acknowledgement of that it's a process I I really it, it would be so lovely if the world society was much more interested in people's self-development and people's ability to be resourceful and keep learning rather Mm. than this sort of fixed idea of you know because I think as as a coach and watching sort of other other coaches um we we of course want people to have goals we want because that gives you momentum that gives you some motivation to walk to work towards sorry but there is also something about it's not a complete fix you know it is ongoing Mm. and actually you know you could have coaching you could have counseling you um for the rest of your life and that's okay you know it's it it is an it's a journey for one to the best yeah and I wonder if that's also something about uh, to do with our how we value ourselves that that we get a message a lot in society about things being fixed, things mm. being better, yeah. things being sorted out. Yeah. And I think it's also an, a human, I think it's a really natural and human um, way of being as well. Mm. I think it's something that, that for a lot of us we, we want to do and it makes it simpler. Things become, if we make them simpler and more black and white, then we can kind of 
deal with them more easily. And that's partly what's so difficult about what's going on now with COVID, that it isn't fixable at the moment. And we're having to sit in this uncertainty. Yeah. And that's really hard for people, you know, that's lots of clients have been talking about that lack of control and, and it's difficult when there are so many unknowables. Um, And I guess it, you know, it, one of the questions I might ask is, well, where do you have control now? You know, where where is that for you? And I agree with you. I think, you know, you do need something to work towards. I suppose there's a danger, isn't there, in terms of that sense of if you do this, you'll be happy. You'll you'll reach reach your peak happiness and things. You know, there's a danger in that. And I think that's a lot of the messages. If you buy this, you'll be happy. If you eat this, you'll be happy. Um, Absolutely. And that's kind of, yeah, go on. Yeah. And I suppose, again, it's that awareness, isn't it? That, you know, what is it you really want? Is it that you want to be happy or is it that you want to be content? Is it you want to be calmer? Um, And how can you keep working on it? How can Mm. you, you know, just as we do with physical exercise, you know, what do we need to do for our brains to help us be stronger, more agile, be better at critical thinking, be um, more empathic, more compassionate? You know, what do do we need to practice and do to build those muscles? And rather than thinking that something we're going to, if we do it, in a particular way we will feel better about ourselves maybe it's more about actually something that we always need to work on within ourselves and to almost be appreciative of the times that we just work on ourselves yeah and it's okay Mm. and again one of the motivations for this podcast was that that's what we do a lot of the time is that we try and validate ourselves externally by doing other things by what other what we think other people think we should do what we should look like by being in a relationship by you know by buying things by and actually it's that thing of being able to feel from within that we're okay mm. and and also I suppose being able to say that sometimes we won't feel okay and that's still okay yeah and it's good as Brené Brené would say it's good enough you know it's all good enough yeah and Winnicott <laughs> you know, like the good enough parent you know mm-hmm. I think the good enough parent gets it right something like 60% of the time something and gets it wrong a lot and that's actually yeah. also part of what's helpful yeah and it's good to know that isn't it yeah but it's difficult for us to remember that when we're in that those moments when we're quite triggered and not liking ourselves I think that's what's that's what I find well thank you that's been really helpful and interesting um I wondered um, before we end how you would feel about sharing an exercise that you might use with a client to help them look at their appreciating and acknowledging their strengths rather than looking at their validating themselves just to use your terminology (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I was was thinking about this and I think there's quite there were quite a few that came up and it's that there's a lot of stuff about kind of strength spotting and how do you identify your strengths there's lots of ways of doing it Um, but it's about trying to find out what's in your backpack or your toolkit that's an internal human strength so I would ask people there's a there's an organization that you can do a questionnaire with which looks at 
So, that, so this positive psychologist called Martin Seligman and some of his colleagues looked across all different cultures, um, countries, and tried to figure out what were the common human strengths and characteristics. And you can answer a series of questions, which then sends you back your kind of top top three strengths. And I think that's really a really useful way of people identifying what they already have, what they already yeah. have to be able to move forward. Um, and then, you know, what, once you start to really honour, celebrate, know what your strengths are, it gives you a really good foundation to start reframing some of that, that kind of negative talk, um, mm. creating, we, I, I will often try and work with a client to help them create a positive mantra that, that they can use. And it, and it, and there's a thing about practice, you know, what have you got and how are you going to practice it? Yeah. That there's always an, an action. And I guess a lot of the mindfulness stuff has been useful. You know, if, if you can be more mindful, if you can really notice um, when you're in need of validation, whether that's internally or externally, uh, if you're aware of it, then, you know, then we can talk about how you might move forward with that. Mm, that sounds, they all sound really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to the Validation Lounge with me, Sasha Jenkin. If you go to the show notes, I will include information on where to find the questionnaire that Sarah refers to at the end of the episode by Martin Seligman. I'll also be including information on where to find Sarah, how to get in touch with her or to access her group or individual coaching. And please do also go to iTunes where you can subscribe to this podcast where you can rate and review it and download further episodes. Thank you. Thank you.